This week on the Rail Splitter, the Abraham Lincoln podcast, we are going to be talking about Abraham Lincoln and mental health. These two great gentlemen are dedicated to a proposition. To each other. And party on, dudes! Welcome to the Rail Splitter, the Abraham Lincoln Podcast. My name is Jeremy. I'm one of your co-hosts. Along with me is Rail Splitter Nick. Hello, Internet Land. And Rail Splitter Mary, how are you? Hey, everybody. I'm good, thanks. How are you guys doing? We are good. I shouldn't speak for us. I am good. Nick, how are you? I don't know. Mediocre. <laughs> That's not bad. We'll take it. The Cubs, Cubs were eliminated, so... Yeah. yeah, this is not a good week to talk baseball for any of the rail splitters. Nope. So, we all, right. Are we all cheering for Houston? I think so, with the hurricane. and Yeah, sure. I like those young guys. Yeah. So... Yeah. So, what's going on in Lincoln in the Lincoln world this week? I don't know what's going on. Well, I will say, uh, Mary, thanks to your suggestion, I spent the I spent last week in Detroit, and I was able to go to the Henry Ford. That's awesome. Uh, like, do completely one hundred percent to your suggestion. So, um, very very cool place. I drug a couple colleagues there, and they enjoyed it as well. Uh, got to see the Kennedy limousine, which was a surreal experience uh of course i saw the the lincoln chair that mary talked about on our artifacts episode extremely moving experience uh, to see blood on the chair and just kind of the chair itself and it's kind of juxtaposed in a exhibit on civil rights and it's actually weirdly right across from a uh, ku klux klan kind mm-hmm. of display which was weird weird uh feeling i guess being that close to those two objects but yeah very very cool uh got to sit on the rosa parks bus um did you ask your uh the the people you went with to give you some time alone they kind of did we kind of you know like you know when you go to a museum with a group you kind of like go together spread apart you know kind of go together so like throughout the afternoon we were with each other, then separate a little bit. So, but when I did get to the chair, I was by myself. So I got to have a moment. Did you make them listen to an episode on the drive over? I did not. We were in, we were in an Uber, and uh, you think an Uber guy would want want to know a good podcast? Driving, yeah, I should a lot. have shared it with him. I suppose he was a very good, very good. It was a Lyft, actually. I don't. I try not to use Uber. I try to use Lyft. Is it, why? Oh, the I don't know, I just, the owner. I guess. I've, I don't I've, know. I've not heard good things, but anyway. What's Lyft? It's they a competitor. Give you a Lyft? Like a L-Y-F-T, it's a competitor for Uber. I like to use my thumb. <laughs> so, let's see what but anyway. I don't Mary, know if you want to do that in Detroit. <laughs> I, I really, part of my homework for my conference in Detroit was to tell people what an amazing city it is, and it is. I really, um, I really thought it was a cool place, um, so I would recommend going to Detroit. One other museum uh, that we went to was the Motown Museum. That is amazing. I highly recommend that as well. So um, the Henry Ford obviously has like signature pieces that are one of a mm-hmm. kind and very, not that the Motown Museum doesn't, but um, in a totally different different kind of cool, different kind of history mm-hmm. cool. So I would recommend the Motown Museum along with the Henry Ford. Um, we didn't have a whole lot of time in the Henry Ford uh, just because it was, we live we live about, what, six six hours or so from Detroit? Yeah, probably. Uh, my conference ended at 1, and our flight left at 8. So we would have been home much quicker if we just drove. But uh, it did give us a chance to go to the Henry Ford, which was definitely, definitely worth it. I heard you were not the only person who enjoyed it, because I talked to Profe today. Oh, yeah? And he also enjoyed... He really talked about the Motown, like one of the first things. And he said the conference was awesome, too. So. Yep, it was. Uh, we, we had a good time. So... Um, yeah, so thanks for the suggestion. Yeah, uh, no, no problem. And uh, I would recommend it. Uh, I would second Mary's recommendation for Rail Splitter Nation to check out the Henry Ford in Dearborn, Michigan, right outside of Detroit. And then uh, Mary was on a little bit of a trip yourself, I believe. Yes, I was. I was at uh, Cedar Point in Sandusky, Ohio this weekend. And um, if any of my followers saw my photos, they saw I was like 
goofing around and pretending to be General Sheridan on a horse at one point. Um, I ended up getting a lot of reading done. I finished the grant bio um, because the park was so busy. I didn't feel like waiting in line for two and a half hours. So I decided to sit on the beach and read about General Grant. Um, but on our way home, we decided we would um, go to Johnson's Island, which is located in Sandusky Bay. And it is the site of where there was a prison for Confederate soldiers during the Civil War. Um, the prison no longer stands there. Um, in it is You can't even get to the part where it was located on the island because so much of the island is just private property now. And all you can get to is the cemetery. So I went to the cemetery where the Confederate um, soldiers are buried that had that died in the prison. And it was a very eerie experience um, being there. It was very peaceful, but also very eerie too. Um, it's very like, it's a beautiful setting. Like there's, you can see actually see Cedar Point right from the island. Um, and there's about 206 marble headstones there, which were actually placed there. Um, the Daughters of the Confederacy purchased the island and or purchased the cemetery in 1905. And they had, they took these, there was just these wooden crosses that were there. And they, what they did is they erected the marble headstones instead, instead and they paid to put a fence around it. And basically for the upkeep of the cemetery. Uh, 1931, they turned the cemetery over to the U.S. Department of the Interior. So they now own the cemetery. In, 19, in 1910, there was a bronze statue erected there. Again, funds raised by the Daughters of the Confederacy. Um, and it was sculpted by Moses Ezekiel, who I think was a veteran from the Civil War, um, obviously fought for the Confederates. Um, but it was, if you're in the area, I would recommend going to it. Um, it's kind of an eerie place to be, but it's also quite a beautiful setting as well. Um, some of the, the wording on the monuments kind of was a little bit, I guess, unsettling for me in a way. Um, but I'm still glad I went. It was, um, it was a very eye-opening and interesting experience for me to be there. So it's, it's literally an island. So do, is, yeah. there, is there like a bridge that you just, you just drive there? Yeah, there is a causeway. You pay a $2 fee. Like you put the money in this like just kind of old looking machine and the, the bridge lifts and you drive across the causeway to it. Um, and it's all private. Like most of it is privately owned. There's some, I saw some beautiful houses on there, but it's got signs that say like private property, don't go past this road. Um, so you can just get to the cemetery and that's it. And that's all you can see from there. Wow. Yeah, I had no idea that was even, that was even there. Yeah. So I also did not. That's so we're talking like Northern Ohio, like on Lake Huron. It's on Lake Erie. Lake Erie um, it's right. in, yeah, it's in Sandusky, in Sandusky Bay, which is part of um, Lake Erie. It's a very beautiful place. Um, I've never done much explore. I've been going to Cedar Point. This is like my 13th or 14th visit. I've never done any kind of exploring at all. Um, but I'm glad I did this time. It was, and it was a beautiful day as well for it. Um, a great learning experience too. It's kind of interesting how that like logistically moving prisoners of war there, like it's, you know, it seems like it's fairly remote from yeah most theaters of the war. Right. I mean, it's far from, from any major fighting in the West, far yeah. from any, certainly from anything in the East and the South. So. I mean, obviously, the, I guess you want to keep them, move it so it's safe and it's not just going to get taken. It seems like the, it's, yeah, tough to get people there and all that stuff. Was there any history the, on that? Yeah, the funny thing about it is there was two other, two or three other islands considered, but they were thought to be too close to Canada. <laughs> to, that, For what? The, yeah. the, what? One reason was too close to Canada and the other was that it was thought to be too remote to get supplies out during the harsh winters. Um but there was, I think, one of my followers on Twitter was, um, he tweeted at me about it. Um, and he said that there was a couple instances where there was attempted raids on Johnson's Island from Canada. Wow. Yeah, I was <laughs> just thinking that in that yes. Canada book I've mentioned a couple times. I was reading, and then, and I remember coming across that. And it was, none of them were ever successful. But no. I think one guy, like, took a boat. I, oh, God, he, I don't know the story. I'm going to butcher it. But I think they, like... 
He went out of the way. He got like the ship. He was gonna go. Like the idea was he's mm-hmm. gonna go in there, free them all, take them back to Canada, I believe, and then kind of yeah. start this like, you know, rebellion up in the north and cause trouble. So, yeah, probably none of that's accurate. Yeah, either, but it so. didn't pan. How many? What was the peak? Like how many prisoners were there? Um, at any given time. I, a given time between 2,000, 2,500 prisoners at a time. And I think their periods of stay weren't really that long. I was reading like between five and nine months, I think. And there would be like exchanges because there was actually the prison started off as just for, you know, all Confederate soldiers. But then it became just officers. Oh, okay. Um, and the enlisted men were sent back to Camp Chase, which was located in Columbus, Ohio. Um, the, the one sign there said that occasionally a private would get sent to Johnson's Island through some kind of clerical error, I guess, <laughs> um, which was kind of made me laugh. All right. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was just for officers. And there is like, there's a, I had a look at a lot of the graves that were there and some of them just say unknown because by the time the marble headstones were placed there, in the early 1900s, the the name had worn off the wooden cross, so they were not able to identify who it was in that grave. Wow. It's just interesting to think about the contrast between different uh, prisoners of war camp and um, how those individuals are treated throughout, really, military history, but certainly in the Civil mm-hmm. War, when you think about places like Andersonville and uh, the treatment that people had there and um, yeah, it's, it's interesting. So I, I, I like that you sought that out. I would have, I never even knew it existed. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's definitely something to, to kind of look at and, um, an interesting history with the funding from the daughters of the Confederacy, which, yes. um, you know, it's obviously a group that puts up <laughs> monuments that we've talked about on the show a couple of times. So, um, yeah, cool. Yeah. That's, uh, that's a very, mm-hmm. uh, very northerly civil war, uh, site i guess to see you don't often see civil war stuff no quite so and all i did this was way. like like i just googled civil war sandusky ohio and that's how i found it i knew about it a couple years ago but i just i finally said to uh, my partner on saturday i said i'm like can we just go to johnson's island finally we're here it's a beautiful day like it's going to be beautiful tomorrow too and i'm happy i did it was a great learning experience to to see it awesome uh, one of the quotes from the tombstone, or I don't know if it was a plaque or what, that you sent, you know, it said, those who pay the ultimate price yeah. for Southern rights and freedoms. Yes. That's interesting. Like, yeah. let, let's look at this. Where where in the United States do you think this is? Like, it's in the middle of Lake Erie. <laughs> yeah. yeah. In the middle, but yeah. Right. Yeah, well, that's kind of, yeah, that's because it was my partner who, he said something to me about it. He's like, this plaque was just put up here in the early 2000s, and it's got this wording on it and i was like that's re- like i was like that's when i was like that's kind of wow i didn't know it was in the early 2000s that's, that's interesting yeah but that that's that plaque was that had for southern rights and freedoms was put up wow that's that's interesting <laughs> yeah yeah that fits right in with the uh the monument debate for sure mm-hmm. oh yeah i mean civil war enthusiasts have got to be you know I had an article we were going to talk about, but I, I don't think we need to go over the whole article. But to me, I was just thinking, you know, with the current division right now, you know, kind of like your Civil War reenactor, you know, part of reenactments having the Confederacy there, too. It's just, it's all kind of an interesting dynamic right now. And I don't know. I don't know. I think it, yeah. I think it always is. I just, we have a, like the biggest, the uh, literally the biggest World War II uh, reenactment is... What, well, where we usually record, it's, I, I don't know, 500 yards maybe. Yeah. Um, it's right across the street from my house. And I oh, wow. I take my kids there. You know, it's really neat, but I always feel super weirded out when you see, like, people pretending to be Nazis. You know, I just really, mm-hmm. I don't, it's it's disconcerting, and and they really get into character sometimes. <laughs> and I'm always yeah. like, ah, are you, what's going on here? But it's like, even, you know, the Civil War reenactment, I think, has some similar nuances to it. Well, there's definitely a division amongst the World War II because I've been going, shoot, I don't know, like seven years now. Mm-hmm. And then, because you got like, you got your SS reenactors, and then you got kind of, you know, just yeah, uh, up, marked or whatever. Yeah. yeah, like, and there seems to be a little bit of difference there. You know, I get like, 
sometimes I think people do it because they have a tie to, you know, and a lot of people fought in the German army, let's be honest. Yeah. You know, they, they weren't necessarily Nazis. They got, right. um, and that's every war, too. Um, yeah, it is just kind of interesting dynamic. How do you end up on that side? You know, you know, I'm sure some of the Confederate or German reenactors, you know, are definitely, they got to be conflicted to themselves. And I hope they are, but I hope yeah, they are. It's interesting. Yeah. yeah. So, so anyway, this is an Abraham Lincoln podcast, though, so uh, we will try to get, get to the topic at hand. Um, We're not doing a good job with that uh, feedback we got. The we other did day. get some very, very constructive <laughs> feedback because we like to chat. We don't talk. We talk to each other once a week, and it's super fun to, to talk about this yeah. stuff. So, yeah, exactly. Um, so the topic. Uh, Wait, I, you didn't want to hear where I went this week? Where did you go this week, Nick? I went to Home Depot like three times. <laughs> the Home Depot. And then, uh, yeah, I was doing some flooring in the closet. I, I was. I wasn't rail splitting, but I was, I was just floor, splitting. Really, really floor splitting. I was a floor splitter this weekend. So, <laughs> all right, all right, let's get to the content. Yeah. Today. Let's get there. Yeah. Uh, so, um, I usually do a bit of the hosting duties, but I think we're going to kind of turn that over to Mary and Nick a little bit this time around uh, to talk about Lincoln's depression and mental health in general, kind of with, with regard to our hero, the hero of the show, Abraham Lincoln. So. Mary, why don't you start us off with a little bit of background on Lincoln's okay. depression. We'll kind of use that to start our discussion. All right. Okay, so um, I just wanted to begin by saying Lincoln's suffering from depression has always been something that has, um, I don't know if intrigued is the right word, but just something that I've always felt a connection with because I've suffered from depression since I was 12. And when I found out he had it, I felt that much more of a connection. And it's actually because of him that I've, felt comfortable enough in the last few years to start talking about it. I am quite open about it on my blog. I'm open about it on Twitter. And I just believe in doing that to break the stigma. And because Lincoln was also quite open about his own, what he called the hypo or melancholy, that he was open about having it. Um, and for me, reading about his own struggles and how he was able to overcome it and do all he did in his life is just so inspirational. And I know it's become a coping mechanism for me because I will read Lincoln's speeches or read a biography about him if I'm going through a rough period. And Lincoln's melancholy and depression, however you want to word it, is very much a part of who he was. And those of us Lincoln enthusiasts, we can't study him without you know, knowing that about him and studying that about him too. And books like Joshua Wolf Shanks, Lincoln's Melancholy have really helped us to have a better understanding of that part of Lincoln. Um, and so melancholy is defined as a feeling of pensive sadness or um, typically with no obvious cause. And it's also thought a thoughtful or gentle sadness. And in the 19th century, um, I was reading one with melancholy was faded with an awful burden, but they were also believed to have a gift for wisdom. And I thought, well, that is so fitting of Lincoln. Um, he was just so wise and far ahead of his time. And like, you know, as much as he was sad, he also loved to laugh and tell stories too. And um, it was said that, like, I was reading that Lincoln's friends, they began to remark about his depression when he was in his late 20s, which is usually, um, from what I've read, that sometimes like can be the onset of it for some people. And people were quite open about how he was. Like his colleague, Henry Whitney, said that no element of Mr. Lincoln's character was so marked, obvious, and ingrained as his mysterious and profound melancholy. And his law part partner Herndon said that his melancholy dripped from him as he walked. And so clearly Lincoln went through periods of depression. Um, but we also have to remember that there's a Lincoln that loved to laugh and joke around too. And just like those of us who suffer from depression, like, you know, we still laugh, we still joke around. Um, and as I said before, Lincoln was well aware of his depression and he referred to it as the hypo, which was, and I'm going to butcher this word, hypochondriasis, which was a disease in the 19th century, very much like depression or melancholia. And hypo in Lincoln's time meant a connection to insight and drive for heroic action. And as we know, 
Uh, Lincoln is once said to have remarked to Herndon how hard or how hard it is to die and leave one's country no better than if one had never lived for it. So he wanted to have something like a goal and he wanted to leave, like he wanted to have a purpose in life. And that purpose, I think, having a purpose for him was a huge way in which he combated his depression. And another quote I read that Lincoln was very well aware of what he had, um, he said to a White House visitor, so this is while he was president, you flaxen men with broad faces are born with cheer and don't know a cloud from a star. I'm a, I am of another temperament. So I think he knew, he's very self-aware of his depression. And another thing I find interesting about it is that his best friend, Joshua Swede, was also said to suffer from depression. And I think the two of them felt comfort in that, that they had an understanding of that. And, and we all know of what was referred to as the fatal first. Um, the fate, the, Lincoln called it the fatal first of January 41, in which he split up with Mary Todd. Um, it was also a time when Speed had sold his shares in his store and was going to be moving back to Kentucky. And I was reading that um, that very much affected Lincoln because he was about to lose his best friend, but then he's also engaged to Mary and he's about to make this huge change in his life. And he ended up breaking off the engagement and then he regretted it. And he said at the time it happened, um, he was the most miserable man living. If what I feel were equally distributed to the whole human family, there would be not one cheerful face on earth. Um, and he also stated at the time, whether I shall ever be better, I cannot tell. I awfully forbade, forbade I shall not. To remain as I am is impossible. I must die or be better, it appears to me. And um, I was reading in Shank's book, Lincoln's Melancholy, that that the crisis that he went through, and it was, it is considered to be a depressive episode. Um, that's what marked the end of Lincoln's youth. And it was the beginning of his manhood, his rise to becoming a politician and to finding his voice in the affairs of in the nation. So basically finding a sense of purpose for himself to, I think, help him cope with depression. Um, and Lincoln didn't, they, he did do some treatments for depression, but back in the 19th century, they were pretty um, painful. Like you, you drink pepper drinks and um, you basically take these pills to purge everything out of your body because it was believed to be something in your body that was doing it. Um, and he went through periods where his friend said he went through periods where he could be very withdrawn, but then he would become very social again and being social helped him as well. And he used it as a coping mechanism. mechanism. Same with his stories and his laughter. And he also gave a voice to his melancholy by reading poetry that sometimes had themes of death and despair and human futility in it. Um, and I think like his depression was, he carried it with him throughout his whole life. Um, but by the time he became president, I think he felt he had that sense of purpose and that really helped him. And no doubt he went through periods of depression when he was president too. I mean, who wouldn't your country, you're leading a country and they're fighting a civil war. Um, I think uh, in that but, book, um, I forget the author. What's the author's name again? Uh, Joshua Wolfshank. Yeah, he, he kind of goes through, and I was reading, I think, a shorter article um, on him the other day because I've also read the book, which is a great read. Um, he kind of put it like in different phases, like Lincoln yes. went through this, kind of like whether he could live type phase. And, yeah. um, and I think that's kind of the end of that phase is that Mary Todd, you know, um, Josh, Joshua Speed leaving. And then he transitions mm -hmm. to the stage of how he would live, the coping of, you know, handling that, um, kind of where you're getting yeah. that. And then I think it also led to like a third phase where it actually helped him become a good leader. Yes. And I, I think agree. especially, you know, I came across a uh, quote, and I believe it was from um, Shank. It's uh, depressive realism. Um, and he was making the argument that the fact that a lot of people who, you know, go through depression and stuff, they don't have like they could see things clear, yeah. Because like super yeah. optimists, and I always think about like a sports team that's highly successful, and then that next season, you know, they're kind of got this cockiness and stuff, and they mm -hmm. are they feel like they're too cocky to see their flaws in their yeah. actions. Maybe it, that's almost like sometimes I think that's how maybe Robert E. Lee felt going into the third day of Gettysburg, 
too. Yeah. You know, you can't truly see the mistakes. And then the fact that, you know, Lincoln suffered, um, in his case, from depression, it allowed him to see the world in a more realistic manner um, and to make better decisions. He knew how to handle adversity, and it led to humility yeah. as well. Um, and then and then I was thinking about, like, you look at all these presidents, not that I don't know if any other president has depression, but there's a lot of presidents that have overcome huge obstacles, yes. whether it's an absent father like Obama or, like, Gerald Ford, Bill Clinton, I mean, we go on and on yeah. about that, or even somebody like Andrew Jackson, orphaned by 14, POW and the British. It, it's really crazy how many of these presidents, uh, even, even Fillmore, uh, overcame <laughs> obstacles, I mean, for crying for out loud. So, um, so. And, yeah, I mean, right. They're, they're all, all of them except for one, though, happen to be white men, but that's, that's another conversation altogether. Um, <laughs> But I, I, I do think that adversity obviously builds character, and I think there's something to that. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's important also to note about Lincoln's depression specifically. I think a lot of times people just say, like, you know, they, they point to Ann Rutledge, and they point to him losing his two sons yeah. as, like, well, yeah, of course he's depressed, but, like, I don't know. I don't think that they were, like, traumatic episodes, you know, because that, that, you know, especially at the time, that happened to folks. Uh, certainly it contributed to it, but like, uh, I think sometimes that's a misunderstanding of mental illness um, to say like, well, yeah, yeah, he's, you know, he was really sad because bad things happened to him. I don't know. I think it's a little deeper than that. I think yeah, that, yeah, know. it is. And that's, that's what I was um, like, you know, the Ann Rutledge was like, yes, of course he was sad about that because they were very good friends, but it, I think what he went through at that time too ran deeper than that as well. And Shank does a good job of kind of going through that whole yeah, ordeal with the Rutledge and kind of um, disproving kind of what you're saying, um, Jeremy, about it. And then, you know, you know, the funny part is I, I don't suffer from depression, but I got anxiety. And then, like, when I go, like, I went through a couple of years ago, like, through a major, I don't know what you would call it, episode or whatever. And then it's not really the times that you would think would cause it. Mm -hmm. my stuff That's like when true. i get down and stuff is usually like the downtimes in between major projects or something like yeah. the complete opposite of what people think would cause it doesn't it's like actually downtime or where you actually have time where you're decompressing and then something mm -hmm. hits you so, so for me so you're asking for more yeah. stress I need more <laughs> stress to be successful yeah, that, in my life that, that's me as well it's the times where i don't have anything going on where I'm like my depression and anxiety will kick in and it's almost like, you know, it, you need a purpose or something like, and I think for um, Lincoln that one of the like depression did make him a better leader because it gave him drive. He had a purpose. Um, yeah. I think, like the, I think like him retiring into his work is what was that stress, right. They were talking about like, you know, a lot of people said like the stress from his marriage, he would just kind of, leave and go to work you yeah. know, and, and kind of immerse himself in that as a coping coping tool. Yeah. And I think his depression too, I think that was one of the things that made him an incredibly empathetic person. And it's that level of empathy that he had. And we see it in different cases, like in different things throughout his presidency, like the Fannie McCullough letter. And there was also when um, Sherman had his breakdown in 1861 um, in the book Fierce Patriot, which I mentioned on the first show I was on with you guys, that um, Lincoln recognized, like O'Connell in that book argues that Lincoln recognized that Sherman had what he had, depression, and that Sherman would get through it and be fine again. And that's why Lincoln, you know, in, was very much for Sherman coming back into the army again, because he recognized what was going on. So he had this level of understanding and just like you said nick too like he saw the world differently than other people like clearer almost and i kind of think you know sherman grant and lincoln all had that in common to a degree you know mm -hmm. you know grant went through i i don't think grant's at the same level sherman and lincoln were mm -hmm. by anything but grant you know had his moments of down you know whether he was stationed in california away from his yeah. wife and um which I think all aided. I think we talked about this too in the past episode, but I think it all benefited them and all allowed them to be successful. 
um, and eventually helped the union win. Yep. I, yeah, I agree with you. It did. And um, I think Lincoln, one of the things that depression did for him, like he was just able to focus too. It gave him focus um, as well. And I think it helped him to write speeches because he could write in such a way that was so touching to people, you know, words like better angels of our nature um, and with malice toward none with charity for all, like basically saying like, we've gone through this horrible thing and we will come out of it again. And he knew from his own suffering that you do come out of it again. And I think that really helped him um, be such a great leader. Yeah. And I think, I think it's definitive in a lot of ways of not, it's, it's, I think it's kind of an, uh, an interesting topic because uh, Lincoln helps us define a little bit about mental illness and learn about mental illness and his mm-hmm. mental illness helps us learn about Lincoln, you know, like, yeah, you know, he has this reputation for being the, the joker and the storyteller and, mm-hmm. you know, able to, um, you know, make people laugh all the time, which is important to note and helps us learn a little bit about depression, right? Because that means nothing as far as whether somebody is uh, more or less likely to depression. You, know, you can look at somebody like Robin Williams or any number of entertainers um, who whose public persona doesn't doesn't fit a stereotype for depression, uh, but that's an extremely important part of who they are, right? It kind of mm-hmm. defines their personality, not in a bad yeah. way at all. Um, so I, you know, I think that you know sometimes people look at that like, oh, you know, he was he was known to for his laughter and for bringing jokes and stories. Well. Yes, but that may help us and in, may inform more about mental illness and depression than it informs us, than it maybe disproves that he has it, that he had it, you know, because I don't yeah. think, I think he, I don't know if there's a real, real good argument out there that would say he didn't suffer from depression. I think it's important to know that he did and that history ignored it for a long, long time. Yes. And I, you know, I've never seen it as like, I'd never see anybody who suffers from depression as being weak, especially Lincoln. Like, I think it, it makes you call upon, I think for Lincoln, he had to call upon reserves of strength that, you know, he didn't even know he probably had, but he did it and he got through it. Um, No, I I agree with you. Um, 2017, or I guess 2016, Abraham Lincoln's running with his, you know, his past, it would be known that he had fits, or however they would word it. I don't want to word it that way, but you know, um, God knows how they would have worded it in 2016. But it'd probably be, you know, public knowledge by the time the campaign got rolling. Does he get elected? So, are you, so are you asking if, if is it seen as a positive thing, and no. would it hamper him getting elected? Depression itself, or I, I don't. Yeah, I think that I think that mental illness has a stigma to it still that would yeah prevent. I think I think I think that it's absurd to think that that no public officials have depression or some sort of mental illness. Um, I think that it's something that people have to hide, and certainly in the political realm, I think I, I'm sure that there are elected officials right now who have depression that can't say. I'm going to vote for responsible healthcare legislation because I know what mental health is. <laughs> you know, I see a therapist, yeah. whatever. Like that, I'm sure happens in politics, but is it known? Probably not. I would say certainly not. Well, you just look back in 1972 when George McGovern's running his first vice president pick, you know, Thomas, El- what is it, uh, Eagleton, Elgleton? Mm-hmm. Um, story comes out because they didn't do the background checks like they do now, which is kind of crazy to think of, too. Um, but then it came out that, you know, he actually was hospitalized for depression. And actually in those days in the 1960s, you did like the electric shock and he underwent that. And that completely, you know, really hampered McGovern to the point where 18 days later, you know, he got rid of um, him. And, you know, and a lot of times it was brought up the finger on the button issue, mm-hmm. you know, with the whole the nukes and all that stuff. So. And which was a topic in 2016, you know, both sides, their health came in, um, you know, um, from Hillary and Trump. So I think it would definitely be a hamper to him, um, which is which is sad because we're talking about yeah. all the positives that have brought Lincoln as a leader. 
mm-hmm. to see, you know, stuff. It's just, I wish it wasn't that way, but I think it would be hard. Yeah. It would be something he would have to figure out. How do we counter this and spin this into a positive? Because it would seem like a negative up front. Right. And, yeah. and I'm, I'm no psychologist by any means, but, you know, I think that you could almost paint an interesting um, contrast with narcissism. You know, is being a debil- in my opinion, more of a debilitating from a leadership standpoint, quality or I don't know, I don't, I wouldn't, I don't know if it's considered a mental illness or anything, but, um, you know, what's the what's the difference between humility, the humility that kind of comes with depression versus the hubris that comes with narcissism, and mm-hmm. what what would make a better leader? And I think what you see in in Lincoln is that that really, and we've talked about it on the show a handful of times that humility that that made him so eloquent as a speaker and as a leader and so empathetic, um, yet he was still a confident person. He was confident yeah. in his own abilities. That interesting and, I believe, unique uh, combination of confidence and humility, which sound like opposites, but, you know, we we're in right now we're seeing no humility whatsoever um, in many of our elected politicians um, in the States, but certainly in mm-hmm. uh, the, the current occupant of the White House. No, I, I agree. It's almost... Um, yeah, it's humility's a weakness in some eyes, right? So, yeah. which is crazy to think. And and I do think that uh, the the President Obama did have some elements of that. I don't think he had um, quite the same level of um, depression or anything that Lincoln did, but I do do think he had some of that humility. Um, so yeah, I think you know President Obama definitely kind of. Ex- Exhibited some of that humility that uh, we seem to be lacking. Um, I do think that there's an interesting um, kind of side conversation or parallel conversation with Mary Todd Lincoln's mental health. And I think that also kind of parallels our conversation about current day politicians. Um, Is there a different um, stigma around mental health for women than I believe, you know, there probably was a different stigma for Mary Todd. And I do believe now the stigma around mental illness is different for women, um, for Hillary Clinton, for, you know, any other female politician. Um, The term crazy gets thrown around, I think, a little more freely, and mental health um, and just being emotional in general is is definitely, I think there's some sexism. I'm I'm mansplaining the hell out of this, and I apologize for that. I just got realized halfway through that. It's like, I am mansplaining. It's really crazy. I I agree with you, what you're saying about it. Um, And I agree with you, Nick, about that it probably – like Lincoln having depression probably would have unfortunately hampered him in 2017. And, but I think knowing him, he probably would have come up with a way to just to work with it and to deal with the criticisms that he would face. Do you think I was just thinking about your uh, talking about, you know, are you looking at it from a, I think a woman's leader standpoint, that I, I could see, and I think, and I agree, mm-hmm. that it's more likely to call them crazy because of it. But if we're just talking an average day citizen, do you think because, you know, the way a male is supposed to be in society still, there's still kind of that you're supposed to be tough from within, do you think less of your average male is willing, is less likely to talk about it and be open about it? I don't know. I was just, yeah. it's just an idea. Yeah, yeah I think, yeah, actually that's, that's an interesting perspective. Yeah. I think maybe that, I mean, there still is so much sexism around depression. Like it's very much divided. Like, you know, me as a female, I, I find it easy to talk about and I don't know, I have a few male friends who suffer from depression. Um, They're not as open about it as I am, you know? So there could be, that's, yeah, it could be my female perspective. That's yeah, kind of like the society's prescribed gender roles, where the you know men are supposed to have the stiff upper lip and you yeah, know, yeah. deal with it. Yeah. And, Which uh, is a separate issue than what you were bringing up with, a, like a, a woman bit. leader. Mm-hmm. Well, at least that's how I'm viewing it right now. Is well, and see. I think I think mental health in general. There's a lot of parallels. Looking at Lincoln's time to now, um, like PTSD wasn't even a th- wasn't even t- obviously it was a thing, but like didn't have a name and people didn't talk about it um, for forever. I mean, and to think about the horrors of the Civil War, huh. you know, 
and to go through that and to and to not have any any sort of idea of what mental health care is. Um, so I do think that it is a good thing that that people like Lincoln, who historic figures who who had mental illness, kind of can be a guide in a way mm-hmm. um, to at least start the conversation specifically, or and certainly for veterans um, and PTSD as as kind of a bridge into mental health because. You know, I don't know the numbers off the top of my head, but I know that of of groups who could, who um, die from depression, die from suicide, veterans are like the among the highest, if not the highest. Yeah. Um, and that's that's a sad reality that that politicians absolutely have to confront. No, I agree. I think it's like twenty a day. I believe I was just at a visitation for a veteran um, mm-hmm. who took his life. So, oh. yeah, it's. I mean, suicide across the board in America is, mm-hmm. yeah, I think, I'm, I don't know. It, definitely in America, the numbers are high and are crazy. And um, especially the older generation, too. I was reading some numbers about it, too. Um, so, yeah, but it, it's not, and it has to do with Lincoln, because in the Ann Rutledge time, they had to, they put him on suicide. Why didn't call it suicide? Why? Yep. But they, they, that's exactly what they did. His friends yep. made sure he didn't have any knives, and somebody was with him. Or, or at least knew where he was all the time. Um, that's, you know, that's a suicide watch. For, for, I don't know what the proper term is when for that, but, um, you know, looking out for him and making sure he didn't, didn't, didn't do that. Um, yeah, and I so. think they they think they did that too um, or for the fatal first as well because he didn't mm-hmm. even show up for work at all for a few days. And that was the one time that he actually sought out treatment for his depression and he came out of that treatment apparently looking worse than he ever had before because whatever the doctor did to him which it's not really known but it really just emaciated him apparently that he looked horrible and he felt worse than he had before he went in for the treatment well another thing that book does a good job of lincoln's melancholy is talking about the ways they treated depression is just like man if you weren't feeling bad already, I mean, you are now. I mean, from a physical yeah. standpoint, I mean, it's just crazy to think medicine back in those days it wasn't exactly psychotherapy. Whether it's, yeah. <laughs> well, again, yeah, we're well, talking like, about McGovern's VP candidate in the 1960s. You know, electric shock therapy was still, you know, perceived. And, and well, Lincoln, took, Lincoln took the blue mass pills, which had mercury in them. And they were like a cure-all in the 19th century. And apparently he stopped taking them because he didn't like what they did to him. And one of the things was they put him in a really bad mood, apparently. You know what's a great podcast out there? I know you've listened to I don't know if you... Have you ever listened to shit... Or S-Town. It stands for shit town. It's like a... I haven't. I've heard of it, though. Oh, it's great. And then one of the... I won't go. I'm just going to give too much away. I don't want to talk about it. Yeah. There was there was potential mercury involved. Yeah, and a guy yeah. causing the guy's depression. Yeah. I don't think we're giving anything away there. No, huh. but yeah, it, that's what it reminded me of. I wish I could really talk about this more, but I don't want to ruin it. it if is, you're listening, you yeah. have not listened to S Town. You need to. It's, it's great. It's a great podcast. There's only, I think it's like okay. nine episodes. It is great. Okay. Yeah, um, and it is one of those things. I think all podcasters have a special place for Serial and S Town and like the the main yeah. like most people didn't have podcast apps on their phone until those out so those are kind of like the, the patron saints of although when you when you <laughs> listen to s town and listen to their sound design you'll be like oh my god the rail splitter is terrible <laughs> from a sound from a sound all, design like he's a professional journalist audio journalist podcaster we're professional other bullshitters yeah, yeah, exactly. so, no s town's a good podcast for sure it is uh i don't think lincoln's mentioned in it no he's not so yeah i'm sorry <laughs> The mercury led me there, so yeah, that's I'm not sorry. the first time that I heard that mercury is co- like actually has. <laughs> but that's still, I mean, we you still hear that's very common for psycho psycho whatever drugs. The you know people a lot of times don't take them because they don't like what they do. So that's nothing new. Lincoln's attitude toward that stuff, and um, but yeah, mercury is not something you want to ingest. Yeah. So I'm glad he stopped taking it because I I know he died yeah. young, but he. Could have died quite a lot younger. Continually ingesting, willfully ingesting mercury. Well, uh, you know, speaking back to him and him trying and going to see the doctor, you know, you go through that phase where you're trying to figure out how to cope. 
yeah. and coexist with it. And then people who've suffered, you know, um, understand that. And, you know, like I've been open with my anxiety with kids at school and I, that's led to a lot of discussions with some students on, you know, you, you got to find a way to cope with it because it doesn't go away. Mm-hmm. It, it's not like something, it's not like a flu or a cold um, where it's just going to magically go away. It, it's something that you got to recognize, be able to handle and find some coping mechanisms. Um, yeah. And it's kind of a roller coaster ride too with peaks and valleys and mm-hmm. still be able to move forward when you're in one of those, I guess it would be. Valley. And that's what like Lincoln's coping mechanisms were his, like, you know, his humor, mm-hmm. telling stories, having, you know, feeling like he, I think having a purpose, you know, something to like a goal, but um, like, apparently he was, I was reading this one um, story where he was waiting. It was actually, I think it was actually on April 14th and he was waiting to hear from general Sherman about something about the surrender with Johnson. And um, he started telling his cabinet a story. And I think that was his way of kind of dealing with probably the anxiety and that he was feeling waiting for that. So he, I think he didn't want to, he tried some of the treatments out there, like the medical ones, and he decided that they weren't for him. And he just had to do other coping mechanisms. And I think he did it remarkably well. Yeah, I think, yeah. And I think, yeah, retiring into work, or that kind of sounds like a, yeah. But like immersing himself in work, but also, you know, telling stories, laughing, being with his friends. I mean, um, I think those are all things that he did to, you know, that weren't known to be, because, you know, you're dealing with an illness at the time and still isn't talked about a, a whole lot. And, and I think, Nick, to your point, like the recognition of it as a as a mental illness is important. And, you know, I feel like we're always kind of walking that tightrope, too, of I don't want to kind of fall into that pitfall of like, you know, it's not depression, you're just sad, and you're not, it's not anxiety, mm-hmm. you're just stressed out. Like, stress is normal. Melancholy is normal. It's it happens. You're, you know, peaks and valleys happen for people who don't have depression and people who do. Yep. Um, so how to recognize that part, especially in adolescence, um, versus like, you know, a, an actual real mm-hmm. um, thing that people go through without trying to be dismissive. So um, I think it's important. Um, and when we're looking at Lincoln, to you know, to 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 see that it was definitely a part of who he was. Um, not not just some sad stuff that happened to him because he dealt with more um, some more stress and more uh, traumatic events than anybody. And, and I mean, just you know, humankind did in that time. You know, obviously, you know, you want to talk about slaves and what you know what happened with those families and in the mental uh, anguish that had to happen for mm-hmm. all of those people. Um, the people fighting in civil war, people losing limbs and watching people die. Um, it's just, just really the, 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 the magnitude of all of that and, and how that had to impact people's mental health before mental health was even a thing. It's just fascinating to me. Yeah. Um, how do you got, how do you guys think that Lincoln's depression defined his presidency? I think it defined the process, like kind of like how, I think it defined more how he was than what he, like how he did things as opposed to what he did. Mm-hmm. You know, like how did he go about making decisions? How did he um, handle the stress? How did he work through it? So like, you know, if he weren't depressed, you know, I don't, you know, I, I still think he would have, pushed for the 13th Amendment and the Emancipation Proclamation and his military decisions would have been similar. Um, I think the way he did things was very much shaped by that, but you can't really separate the two, right? The way, I'll argue the way he did things is why he is a national hero. Um, yeah. It's not that he did them, because I don't think he would have been successful if he, mm-hmm. if he wasn't, you know, doing things as a moderate or at least under the guise of being a moderate and knowing how to work systems, knowing how to influence people, knowing how to appeal to emotions. Um, so I think that his talent as a politician is 100% rooted in all of who he was, specifically the depression that he had. Um, and that created who he was as a leader. 
um, mm-hmm. as far as his belief system and, and all those things. I don't think it was as big of a impact, but like certainly um, his how skilled he was as a politician, I think, had its roots in, in that part of his personality and how well, you know, it, you know, it, it brought, it also brought out his strengths, you know, like mm-hmm. his, like the, the, the personality, personality to tell the stories and to tell the jokes and to, to have the work ethic and to have the humility. I think they all play together to create that person and that personality. Yep. I, I agree that, I think he was able, the other thing that he was able to do is take his own experiences with depression, such as how sad and sorrowful he felt. And just like, it gave him empathy. Um, but he knew that he would come through it. And I think that that helped him get through the civil war that I think he knew that it's going to be a hard road, but we will get through this. Um, and he put that into his writing, like his speeches, like I mentioned earlier, like um, with malice towards none, with charity for all that bind up the nation's wounds, that we will be okay. Um, so yeah, I do agree with what you said, Jeremy. I think uh, when you're weighing decisions, you got to be able to see the the positives, but also the negatives. Mm-hmm and what you're trying to decide to do. And I think he was very good where it wasn't a detriment to see the negatives of a decision, but not to where, you know, it would cloud his judgment, but kind of going back to that phrase, the depressive realism, that he was able to take an honest approach to that. He wasn't just going to get behind what everybody said and just, you know, group think with people. He was willing to see the negative in that and disagree with people and go against that. And I think a lot of that ties into um, just kind of, you know, um, how he saw the world and how he saw the world was definitely yeah. influenced by his, um, you know, um, depression. So that's kind of yeah. how I see it on a more simple scale. All right. That's, that's, I completely agree with that. I mean, and I don't think, I mean, it's a simple concept, but I don't think that's a simple observation at all because like, you know, that is true. And, um, I, I just meant it didn't sound as smart as you guys. So. Oh, no, I thought it did for sure. I thought it, I thought it definitely did. Because especially when you're in a position like, you know, the presidency when um, people aren't, aren't, aren't may, may not be willing to say that's, that's a terrible idea or this, this could go very badly. I think Lincoln did have a pretty good support system in his cabinet, spe- yeah. specifically Seward, um, to be that, that voice. Um, C-word. Come C-word, on. I know. C-word. <laughs> Real splitter drinking game. It just happened. <laughs> so, um, anyway, th- that was, I really enjoyed that conversation. Um, I think it's important to talk about depression and it shouldn't be a downer because it's part of humanity. And um, yes, yeah. it's, it's definitely a necessary part. Um, we do have some business to attend to. Or we're going to get to our big giveaway that we've talked about for over, what, half the episodes of the show. Um <laughs> Yeah. We'll get to that. Uh, do we want to do that before this week in Lincoln, or do we want to hit this week in Lincoln first? I don't care. Well, this is, these are kind of your things. You brought that this week in Lincoln this week. And well, I really got it for Mary, to be honest. Yeah, all that. Yeah, the well, we'll do this week in Lincoln. We're talking about it. Okay. Yeah. So I'll, I'll, you know, hand it off to you here in a second. Basically, Mary tweeted the Antique Roadshow. I guess how'd you come across this tweet? It was just, it showed up in my timeline. I think somebody might have tweeted it at me or something. And then I just like, I need to retweet this. So <laughs> I guess, was, do you know the story behind like where the statue came from? I did like, I didn't read up on it. I just okay. saw the picture and I was like, that is too funny not to retweet. So the Antique Roadshow um, has basically the statue of Lincoln. It's like a bust of him, right? Like from the chest up and then... Um, and it's done in what? What would you say? The Roman style? Roman, or? Roman style, like Roman emperor. <laughs> like just to, just to give credit, it looks like uh, at Civil War humor was the original tweeter that I saw. Yeah. All right. Uh, and he's a uh, uh, he or she. I don't know who this person is, but they definitely made our list for the potential giveaway. But they're the first person to tweet it out. Uh, do we have a price on how much it's going for? That's 
because I'm in the market for a Lincoln. Uh, you want a Lincoln bust like that? <laughs> the hair is really stands out in it. I feel like. I thought the, the look on his face. I don't know what it is about the look, but I saw it and I just burst out laughing. Like, I don't have it in front of me, but isn't his hair longer than what you usually see? Yeah, it is. It's like this, like huge. It's kind of like a, not not quite a pompadour, but uh, it's approaching a pompadour, some sort of coiffure. Oh uh, yeah, it's it's awesome. Yeah. It looks like a person whose hair got too long, and they kind of keep it short, and then they just kind of like drag their hand through it. Or it's like that awkward time. Like, day. Yeah, it's that awkward time. Like I want long hair, but I don't have it yet. So it's like I middle, wish my hair looked that, that good during that an awkward, awkward time. Middle phase, um, and it's very green. This this particular statue, it's it's something. But he's definitely wearing some flowing robes <laughs> as well. Pretty cool. Yeah, I don't know what it went for in the Antique Roadshow, but interesting. Yeah, if I'm, you looking bought at it, it. I'm looking at it right now. If you bought it and you own it, you know, we should have you as a guest. Yeah. Where is it? Where do you put that? If you had it, where would you put it? Kitchen table. Right on the kitchen table. <laughs> Mine would be in my mine would be in my front window. There you go. And I would have like the blinds open during the day, and there would be this. Like, <laughs> it's a major award. <laughs> so I have a Lincoln bust. Uh, it's in my office, and it does not look like that. It's very. It's very small. It's, yeah, it's much smaller. Um, very generous gift from my in-laws that was. I do not have any Lincoln busts, but I have a Darth Vader and a Kylo Ren behind us. So. Yeah, that's pretty. Nice. Oh, it. and I did at the Henry Ford. When I was a kid, remember they, they there was at the Museum of Science and Industry in Mold, Chicago. The Moldorama. Yes. Did you do the Moldorama? I have one of those too. The Moldorama Lincoln. Yeah. 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 I have one of those too. Yeah, I totally geeked out about it in front of like the, the thing that you get at the zoo too. Yeah. 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 Okay. It has okay. that very distinctive smell when they like. Yeah, it's like it. that yeah. plastic crap. Yeah. 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 I think they just had three D printers now that just printed it up. Oh no, this was like the old school one. Like it. Yeah. yeah I know what you're awesome. talking about. How much yeah. did that cost you? Three bucks. Dude, that's yep. it used to be like a dollar. It's a ripoff. It's, it's so worth, worth it. it. Worth it. Three. To, uh, I don't know. I it's don't right know. next to. Uh, well, I won't. It'll be. A, it's next to another Lincoln thing that'll probably be a this weekend Lincoln at some point, as well. Oh, uh, a little, a little um, yeah. teaser. They call that in the biz. Yeah. There, there you go. <laughs> All in right. The biz. Uh, we. Uh, I just noticed. I'm looking up to read a couple reviews here before we do our drawing. If you search Abraham Lincoln on iTunes, we're now the number fourth thing to come up. The fourth, number fourth. No shit. Which is cool, yeah. It's been a long time before we've been above five, I'll tell you that much. Yes. I check daily. Yes, I'm a loser. (laughs) I I wouldn't say that. Me and the kids check daily when I had the Proxima up. (laughs) No, I joke. (laughs) Okay, uh, so we have, I think, two new reviews, uh, and this is our way of asking people, please review us on iTunes. It will help us get a little bit of... uh, uh, basically, all we want is for people to be able to find us when they search, and reviews help us do that. And so, some street cred, so we so we can get another uh, appearance with Dr. Cornelius. That's right. Um, so we have uh, one review, and for those, of, and we talked about, I tweeted this review out, and we got a pretty good discussion. I'll read it for you. Uh, the, it's a five-star review from MTC5150. The title is Love It, But... Uh, guys, love the podcast, and I gave it a five-star review. I do have one criticism, and since you always ask to hear them, here it is. I've listened from the beginning and plan to keep doing so, but for the love of all things holy, please leave your political views out of it. The most recent podcast after the Las Vegas massacre sent me over the edge. Everyone is entitled to their opinion on politics, but I listen to your podcast to hear about Lincoln and the politics of the 19th century, not the politics of the 21st century. I have other podcasts for that. So MTC5150, thank you for the review. Thank you for the five stars. Um, We do, uh, I can speak for myself. My political views and my beliefs are very much a part of me. So um, we're not trying to pontificate. We're not trying to soapbox anybody. Uh, But I think it's essential for a history podcast to draw lines to today. So all beliefs are welcome and the rail splitter nation. uh, I kind of get where he's coming from, though. Mm -hmm. You know, it's... Crazy times, a lot of divide, and you're just coming to relax. So, I think I'm the one who took it off the rails that time too. Um, on that, so I get you, I hear you, man. So we're trying to put a little bit of this, a little bit of that. So we, uh, you know, I am never going to apologize for my political beliefs, but I will always welcome yours as well. So uh, please don't feel like if you disagree with us that there's not a place for you here. 
Unless you uh, like Miller Fillmore. <laughs> unless, <laughs> unless you, and then you're a know-nothing. Pretty quiet on the Miller Fillmore tweet feud front. It's shocking. I can't, I can't imagine how that's not trending. All right, and we have another <laughs> review. This one is our most recent one from just a few days ago. Most excellent, and I see what you did there, most excellent Lincoln podcast. This is from Kay Hickman, who's an awesome uh, follow-on. He's been uh, commenting us on Twitter, and he's in the Facebook group, which is super cool. He says, I had been looking for a podcast about Lincoln when I found the Rail Splitter. This is exactly what I was looking for, and since I am a high school teacher and a Lincoln enthusiast, I can definitely relate to the hosts. In fact, I am drinking a Brew Free or Die IPA as I am writing this review. <laughs> the, show, the show offers great commentary on Lincoln and is also funny and entertaining. Party on, dudes. So, uh, Kay Hickman, thank you for that review. That was very kind, and we're glad that you found That's the show. awesome. And are able to listen. So, those are a couple of reviews. Please give us a review and give us some feedback. Uh, we always appreciate the input. So, I believe it is now time for our big giveaway. And our big scientific way to do this, I have written down in front of me on a piece of paper the 28 people or Twitter handles or users or Facebook users who have commented or retweeted a uh, social media post that we've had. And I've numbered them randomly. So I think we'll just... Is Nick's, Nick's the one putting up the three Lincolns in a Washington. So let's... I'm gonna have Nick. I'm gonna have you pick a number, but we're gonna do a number from one to twenty-nine because I took six. I don't think we should keep sixteen in there because then you just pick sixteen and whoever. I, I wasn't pick. gonna pick sixteen. Okay, well I took sixteen <laughs> out anyway. So. I'm not a big fan of sixes, so. Oh right. Okay. So I apologize if you're number six on here. So yeah. Nick, Nick does not know the order. <laughs> I wrote them down in order and then just randomly numbered them. You so didn't, you didn't put Icky Tangy on there, did you? I did not put us. I did not put Civil War Fangirl. <laughs> oh. I did not put Icky Damn Tangy it. Yeah. I'm really going to have to give this away now. I'm second guessing this. Yes. I just got new windows at my house. I could use that to show them. I'm committed to this. Yes. Don't tell Kira. Um, 17. Number 17 is Will Evans at Will. Oh. Dendervens, I think is I, I, I can't even read my own handwriting. He just sent out a tweet the other day. Did he? It probably looks like we're in a conspiracy because his tweet dealt with that uh, he loved the a boy named Sue music pick. Oh yeah, which that was right. mine. That so, is right. so that me and Will Evans are hanging out on the same wavelength. Will Evans, let me make sure I get this. I got to go through all of our. I'm going through my mentions right now. Uh, no, I got to go through our mentions here to find where that was because I just scrolled down to write all these down. But anyway, Will. That's not his handle. His name is Will Evans. At least his Twitter name is. His handle is something different. But congratulations. It's at, I don't know what it is. <laughs> I lost it. This is it. the most scientific drawing of all time. Oh, here it is. <laughs> it is uh, at Will, Will, Will Penry Evans. I don't know. Maybe. Sorry. I think there's like three words in there, and I don't know which, which is the end of one and the beginning of another. But uh, we will tweet at you, and you can choose a Lincoln item of your liking for $16, and hopefully we can have some fun with that, and we'll let the listeners know what we went with. What so we what did you got to do to it? You got Just let us know. Well, how to item. send it to them? Oh, we'll figure all that out. We'll tweet at them. We'll figure it out. All right. So <laughs> we're going to go Pony Express. Pony Express. The, the shipping might be more than 16 Hopefully you don't live on the West Coast, Will. So anyway, uh, those of you out there, we I was going to literally use a pony. Like old school pony express. I think they use horses. Like it can, you can let it. It can be a colt, not a colt, but a, I don't know. Um, you can find us on iTunes, Podbean, YouTube, Facebook. Uh, there's a Facebook group uh, which is all kinds of stuff posted on there. We just got somebody uh, posted some some new uh, new. Uh, Was it exhibits. John? Yeah, John posted that there's a new artifact that I can't wait to see. It's not a, it's not a new artifact. It's an old. The one. desk, right? Uh, the desk yeah. is back in the Lincoln home. Yeah, that's an awesome desk. Uh, the Gettysburg Address is on display for a few weeks. No kidding. Yes. Oh. Um, no kidding. So uh, join the Facebook group, uh, The Rail Splitter. Uh, you'll find all kinds of Lincoln stuff on there. Uh, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at RailsplitterPod. You can email us if you'd like at uh, our email address is therailsplitterpodcast at gmail.com. Keep uh, listening out in Korea. Those of you that are... 
listening. People listening. We're very, very, very quickly approaching uh, 2,500 downloads, which is a nice, in Korea. Uh, nice. milestone for us. Uh, we got a very, very fun episode in the works uh, from a couple podcasters. Talk about it. Dude, that does not help my anxiety, that uh, episode. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm not looking forward to that. One. So, uh, any parting thoughts, Nick or Mary? Should not look forward to that trivia to that much. <laughs> All right. I thought... <laughs> I thought that was a, a good discussion, like, well, awesome discussion that we had about Lincoln and mental health. It was really enjoyable, and I hope our listeners enjoy it, too. Uh, likewise, and hopefully uh, some of our listeners can throw some comments up on Facebook or Twitter, and we can kind of mm-hmm. keep the discussion going. And this is definitely mm-hmm. something we will revisit in future episodes mm-hmm. as well. So uh, for Rail Splitter Mary and for Rail Splitter Nick, this is Rail Splitter Jeremy saying uh, thank you for listening and continue to walk the world with malice toward none and with charity for all, and we will see you next week. Bam.